What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Cut. I am your host, Christian Williams, and I am here with Randy Hall. Randy, how are you, dude? I, I'm good. I got a nap in after a long, long weekend at a wedding with some uh, ultra fun. But having to yeah. work 6 a.m. the next day is not, not fucking fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that does not sound like a good time. I, meanwhile, am, am getting just annihilated by my allergies, so... I'm breaking out the glasses for the first time on a live stream. Not loving it, you know. I, I wish it, things were different, but here we are, you know. I think uh, a baseball player got scratched today because of allergies. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I saw you tweet about it. Yeah. So uh, I also thought I was going to have to get scratched due to allergies, but here we are. We're going to power through. If you see Thank my God. camera go off, uh, it's because I am probably blowing my nose because that's disgusting. <laughs> you guys don't want to see that, but... Uh, all right. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be talking about dynasty uh, running back rankings today and some burning questions uh, through the NFC North. Uh, but first, if you're joining us live, thank you guys. Uh, drop a comment. We'll be interacting throughout. If you're joining us audio only, make sure you guys leave a five star review. We're on all of your favorite podcast apps as well. Um, follow us at the cut FFB if you don't already on Twitter. I don't care if you follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube. A lot of these streams are going there as well. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, I'm I'm public. Oh, so Adam just published a Jalen Hurts article on the cut FFB.com, and I am publishing a Carson Strong article tomorrow. Uh, so just go ahead and bookmark the cut FFB.com and uh, lots of content coming. And welcome to all of our new contributors. Should probably mention that we brought on probably eight to ten new people. You'll see a variety of different pieces of content coming out here in the next few weeks. So very excited about that. Randy, do you have anything to add before we just jump right into our our dynasty running backs? Nah, man, let's get into this. All right. As we did with our quarterbacks, we're going to go 50 down to one. Uh, so we're just giving you the top 50 here. Uh, the, the list, it definitely like, you can see where the tier breaks are. And so we're going to start with guys 50 through 41. I'll read off the list. Latavius Murray at 50, 49 is Philip Lindsay, 48, Chuba Hubbard, 47, Sonny Michelle, 46, Kenneth Gainwell, 45, Tariq Cohen, 44, Alexander Madison, 43, David Johnson, 42, Raheem Mostert, and 41, Tony Pollard. Uh, again, if you guys are joining us in the in the comments, tell us what you think we're crazy on as we're talking about these guys. But Randy, uh, what do you think about that that group? I mean, this is just that like <laughs> this is just that back end of the running back position. Uh, this really kind of puts into focus what you're going to be getting to if you don't go a little bit RB early. You're going to have to be taking shots deep. Um, just not a great group. A couple of guys that have really good chances, like uh, Mostert, David Johnson, possibly Philip Lindsay, uh, Latavius Murray to his own extent, uh, Cohen slightly, Sony. Just guys that could be somewhat relevant this year to be very relevant in case of maybe Mostert or Johnson, uh, but could be just afterthoughts after the season. So their dynasty levels is just not going to be as high as what they could possibly put out for maybe just redraft this year. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, these are dynasty rankings for redraft. I think we'd probably all have uh, Moster and David Johnson a lot higher, 
but I don't, I don't see David Johnson as having a ton of value. And I know he was productive last year, but that was in kind of more of a bell cow role. And they brought in a ton of names. Um, I mean, Mark Ingram's there, Philip Lindsay's there. So I don't think he's going to see that type of workload this year. What do you expect of David Johnson's workload this year? I, I still expect him to be kind of the lead back, at least starting out. But it, you're definitely more of a believer in Philip Lindsay's talent than I am necessarily. I do think he's was a little bit injured last year and tried to push through it because of the contract season. And that didn't work out great. Uh, but I do think he could bounce back this season. And if he does, he's going to outperform David Johnson in the long run. I don't see them as a high touchdown team, especially because I assume no Watson. So yeah. I, it's just not, he, he's going to be a, an asset at least early. Maybe if he gets a two touchdown game in the first week or so, sell him. You know the old Mark yeah. Ingram trick, yes, or the old uh, S- Sammy Watkins trick. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's just one week though. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I will say like this group is filled with a lot of high, high value handcuffs. We did touch on that, but uh, Pollard and Madison especially are the two that I think do hold some value. Um, you know, I think. I don't think Gus Edwards made our list. I think he must be like 51, but yeah, uh, Gus, just at the back. Gus Edwards is in that mold as well, where like Gus Edwards is probably going to run for 700 yards this year still, uh, but still not be a super good fantasy option for you. And then dynasty wise, you have to wonder what his outlook is when he leaves the Baltimore Ravens. So just a guy that didn't make our list that I felt. Maybe, maybe should have, but again, so we ran these uh, next to like fantasy pros consensus and we are pretty much in line with them. Um, so for, for, for the, the back part, half, for the back half. Yeah. 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 When we get to the top, you'll see where we, where we differ a lot. So let's move into the next group of people. Um, we're going to go with what, what did we, what did we just do through 40, um, through 41, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, 40 James Connor. 39, Melvin Gordon, 38, Leonard Fournette, 37, Kenyon Drake, 36, Naeem Hines, 35, Devin Singletary, 34, Trey Sermon, 33, Zach Moss, 32, A.J. Dillon, 31, James Robinson. Um, my first impression of this, based on those first three to four names, uh, just a lot of guys on their last legs. I mean, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, I don't see as being – super valuable in fantasy for long at all. If I I could see Melvin Gordon not even having a, a fantasy relevant year this year with the emergence of Javante. I know that's a little bit of a, a hot take right now. I think most expect him to be the lead dog for a little while, but I just don't see it. I think Javante is a better version of him. So, well, I mean, in fairness to your point, it's not like Gordon had a 70% share last year. It was more close to the 50 45, 55, anywhere around there on a given week uh, with Lindsay and other backs, obviously included. And Javante is better than all of those combined. So, yeah, at this stage, yeah. at least. No disrespect to early Melvin Gordon, but he's <laughs> certainly on close to his last leg. Kenny and Drake, like he, it, it, the rest of these guys that aren't old are in uncertain backfields. Obviously, we have both of the Buffalo running backs here because. No one knows what the fuck to do there. People love Zach Moss and oversell what he actually is. And people hate Devin Singletary and undersell what he actually is. 
Uh, they're yeah. both out here, though. <laughs> AJ yeah. Dillon he could be very valuable with the addition of Kylan Hill, though I'm not ultra certain how much work he gets. Uh, James Robinson should should have been a lead back. I don't know what's going to happen now. Sermon's probably the most shocking of the group. And yeah. obviously we have most are, well, lower. <laughs> uh, but Sermon, it's not like he has like a soaring draft capital. We both think he's talented. Obviously, there's not an extensive workload history to suggest ultimate success there. Uh, and they also uh, drafted another back later in the round, later in the draft. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I think it could be. This has always been a timeshare for the 49ers. It could be a little bit better of a running offense with Trey Lanson, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah. But he's going to stay this low for us for right now. He could be very lethal. Could be in the 20s, uh, early 20s, late, maybe even back in teens next year. But we have yeah. to see a lot. Yeah. All right, let's touch on this question. So how do you guys feel about Elijah Mitchell's dynasty value, assuming Mostert is gone next year? Um, <clears throat> I will say I think Mostert is gone this year. Randy and I have gone back and forth about that. Randy doesn't think so. The Jeff Wilson well, Jr. injury might prove randy to be right um oh it wasn't just the injury it's gonna prove randy to be right um (laughs) i will say jeff did in his illustrious research tweet out all the the next possible cut candidates of the offseason uh in that the mitchell on the practice squad was what me and christian have been arguing about for uh, a couple weeks now i've been saying he's a practice squad player because i don't think he's a special teams player and most yeah. teams wouldn't keep four running backs. Now that argument's probably Nolan Void, I would assume. I know they have. Um, he's still the fourth running back. Who who they it's bring Gallman. in? Gallman. Gallman. Gallman's going to get the start, get the roster spot over him. I would assume. Yeah, but it, that practice squad's going to be iffy because I do think he could get picked up by someone, like oh, yeah. Jeff just mentioned. But he also didn't get drafted till very late for obvious reasons. He's not a god by any sense of the imagination. He's nowhere near as good as Sermon, in my opinion, especially in this kind of offense. Doesn't mean he can't perform very well. People didn't expect anything from Mostert or Wilson or anyone or look at all the Miami running backs or James Robinson or Phil Lindsay in the past. I mean, they all he could obviously take off. I don't see it happening in this backfield. I yeah. do think uh, like Jeff just said, he would be picked up quickly in theory. But yeah. all the all the places you would think he would get the spot to shine, like we just talked about with the Texans, they have three or four running backs already. I mean, maybe Atlanta, but they drafted or they signed Hawkins, so yeah. they're probably invested in him instead. They, they Miami maybe, but they have a three or four system right now i doubt they get him it's it's just one of those things where if he's not going to get signed by a system that he could actually have a chance to sign in do we care if he got picked up somewhere else yeah and and to the original question i think he does have a little bit of value but you're tossing him on your taxi squad at this point if you have one and then you're just kind of going to see this year because like randy's talking about and, and jeff in the comments as well i mean 
he might end up a practice squad player. And then you, you're rostering a practice squad player. You're probably going to end up dropping him at some point. I would recommend holding him because I think if Mostert does leave, then that's when uh, Mitchell could ha- have an opportunity. He's, he's a very athletic dude. He reminds yeah. a lot of people of Mostert. So. Before we answer this question, just finishing off that question, if he is left on your practice squad this year and he's left on their practice squad or their fourth running back, uh, yeah. And just they keep four running backs like a crazy team. Uh, <laughs> the best scenario, and honestly, the most likely scenario, is that it's Sermon and him next year as kind of a one two punch with a veteran as the third back just to help guide those two along. I think yeah. that's ultra likely next year. I think they're going to ride out Moster for all he's got and they're going to they're going to get rid of him after this year and just wear him down like. Every team does with running backs that are on small yeah. contracts, especially with the young guy behind. Sure, we yeah. might get to week 12 in sermons, the full 60%. That's very possible. I just don't see it right now. Yeah. It, it, I just think I they ride Mostert into the dirt, into it, possibly playoffs. Yeah. Probably most probably. likely most likely playoffs yeah <laughs> yeah probably uh, uh i don't know who you are because you just pop up as facebook user because facebook's wild um but the question is should i sell high on sanders right now i've been thinking about it for some time it would not kill my backfield if i do uh we will definitely talk about miles sanders in a little bit but to in case you don't want to stick around i would i would say no personally um I think the biggest part of those is can you sell high? Uh, I think it's selling low at this point. Yeah. I, I think you, your best case scenario, if you don't want to continue that, his involvement on your team because of the uncertainty of that backfield always, and it always kind of be a committee. I would wait till he has a good game because he is going to have a good game because he's very, very fucking talented. He's the clear yeah. workhorse of that team. But, I understand maybe want to move on, but he's criminally undervalued right now because of that influx competition. I would wait. Yeah. And, and where he lands in our consensus rankings, you'll see exactly why we don't think it's selling high right now. And, and I mean, he was lethal with Jalen hurts at quarterback. And I think it's just, I mean, I think miles Sanders is going to have a nice big bounce back here. Um, yeah. Let's move on to the next grouping. Uh, so this is going to be our 30 through 21. Typically, we would have separated it out to RB1s and RB2s, but the graphics didn't line up, so sorry about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so 30, Mike Davis. 29, Michael Carter. 28, Miles Gaskin. 27, Damian Harris. 26, Ronald Jones. 25, Chase Edmonds. 24, Josh Jacobs. 23, Travis Etienne. 22, Kareem Hunt. 21, Chris Carson. Randy... Uh, your first thoughts on this group? Oh, it just kills kills the vibe to see Josh Jacobs so low, but um, I understand it. I don't think I had him high, so it's not like I'm helping the situation at all. Uh, <laughs> as I quickly double check where I have him, yeah, I am at 20, and it's just I love Josh Jacobs' talent. I think he can be that three, I think he can be that Derrick Henry role, in my opinion, with a little bit better pass catching skills. It's just, it's not like a detriment that they, like, 
that they view as talent that they signed Drake. I think they just saw the opportunity to have a, an ungodly lethal backfield, just like the Browns, and they just chose to do it. It's a smart idea. They were teaming this before. It makes perfect sense. They they like each other. They can work together well. But because of that, his value has tanked from back end RB1. Some people had him uh, five, six at a time last year. Um, obviously, the line being a little bit shift around does drop him as well. And it's just this is definitely going to be a run focused team. It's just he's not going to get 350 carries ever in the next right. two years. At least he's going to get he'll get 200 plus for sure. Don't get me wrong. And he can be very, very effective, but he wasn't always the the touchdown fiend. Uh, so it, there's a little bit of questions there, how it's all going to play out. And Kenny Drake is clearly going to be the passing down back. So if this is a full PPR league, he has to drop down. These are full PPR rankings. So he's got to be down a little bit low. It sucks, but it's just yeah. how it has to be. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess I didn't realize uh, how how much money Kenyon Drake is getting or how little money he's getting. He's definitely getting backup money, but the problem is the Raiders love giving their backups just way too much play. They like trying to keep Jacobs fresh instead of using him like a workhorse. And so now when you have a more talented back in that role, it's tough to see Josh Jacobs being anything other than an RB two, right? Well, that's the thing. Like Jacobs got the amount of touches to be a workhorse still, even with us being frustrated that they use two, three backs most games, I think this just makes it a complete two-down system where these two are possibly on the field at the same time, uh, absolutely killing it. This is a team that's going to use their fullback. This is a team that's probably going to have two tight end sets a lot, obviously with one of the best tight ends of football being Waller, who is a good blocker, but obviously an absolutely lethal passing option. Um, it, it's just one of those things where I don't, expect i expect some rb1 weeks uh just simply because a touchdown and getting 20 plus carries just it's going to happen they're they're they can score points this offense and drake didn't hurt that it only helped it so yeah he's gonna have rb1 weeks but there are gonna be weeks where he only has he's gonna have 15 16 carries every week still it's yeah. just he, he might will. not get a touchdown he might only have 50 60 yards so it's a it's an rb3 week most likely if he doesn't get a touchdown that kind of week, we saw that kind of with Todd Gurley last year with that kind of production. Yeah. So that's, that's the concern because of Kenny Drake. Yeah. Really quickly too. Uh, I've made it known that I think the Raiders offense is better than the chargers offense. So shout out to at FFB underscore Victoria, who we went back and forth on it. I think <laughs> people are expecting a lot out of the chargers offense and, and a big leap from Justin Herbert. <clears throat> we talked about that a little bit last week. so. I don't want to go too in depth on that. People will always, I mean, obviously we have Herbert ranked much higher than Carr. Don't get me wrong, but people always are going to undervalue Derek Carr. He has a lot of QB one weeks. He's can get a lot of touchdowns. He runs the ball in. Uh, He's criminally undervalued, just like Tano has been his whole career. Doesn't mean they're the greatest quarterbacks in the world and they're going to lead him to a Super Bowl or anything, but they're going to be, they're always going to be a better football team than fantasy team in my opinion yeah just that's just that's just kind of the gruden five <laughs> yeah for sure um and then lastly uh you heard mike davis's name obviously his 2021 outlook right now looks really juicy um just like his quads 
they're looking pretty juicy as well. Uh, but outside of that, like, I don't know what Mike Davis is. And so yeah. while he might, he, I mean, in that offense, he may be close to an RB one, he's going to get the volume and he has the touchdown opportunity because that offense should be good with Kyle Pitts and depending on what they get back for, for Julio, which is probably not shit. Um, just based on the <laughs> leverage that they don't have. But uh, I, I think ranking him here is pretty much across the board. Pretty much everyone's going to rank him here. And then uh, moving on, Damian Harris, he falls outside of the top 30 for most consensus lists. Uh, this is probably due to me. It might also be due to Adam. Uh, Randy and I have always gone back and forth on Sony versus Damian. And uh, this year, I, th- I think it's going to be mostly Damian, but I think if Sony makes the team, he's still going to have a role. Uh, I think Sony's making the team. It's a split backfield. Damian Harris just has a longer tenure left in the backfield. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And then the guys at the top of the list, Carson Hunt. uh, Hunt, obviously, I think has probably two to three more years of outperforming this ranking. Uh, But there's also uncertainty of if he'll be with the Browns past next year. They tried to trade him this offseason. So, uh, just a little bit of uncertainty with those guys, which is why it bumps them down just a touch. Yep. Do you want to talk about anyone else in this group? Not necessarily. No, no, it's fine. Probably could have talked about Chase Edmonds, who, again, he but, just like, got lucky. Is, I was going to say, what is there? They brought in James Connor. James Connor to back up money. Uh, and he most likely will get first crack at it, but Edmonds is going to be a third down back and most likely beat him out. But where is it going to land in? Uh, Carson, two-year deal, I believe, something like that. Yeah. Sounds right. Sounds right. ETN's a receiver, apparently. Yeah. Ronald Jones, holy fuck, who knows? <laughs> Gaskin, same fucking thing. Oh, the one thing I did want to bring up, uh, don't rule out Mike Davis gaining competition through this offseason still yeah through cuts and cuts trade anything they could bring in melvin gordon they could bring in uh, james connor they could bring in leonard fournette they could bring in ronald jones i mean there's a litany of people that still could sony michelle yeah (laughs) cut me off uh (laughs) uh, there's there's a lot of guys that could end up on this team uh in mostert if if he's cut he is going to Atlanta. i think they're in new york to go play for his old coach, but yeah, it could be New York too, sir. Yeah, very, very are, true. But that's that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. All right, let's get into our twenty through eleven. Uh, we'll put them up here. So Javante Williams at twenty, Cam Akers at nineteen, eighteen Ezekiel Elliott, seventeen Antonio Gibson, sixteen David Montgomery, fifteen Najee Harris, fourteen Clyde Edwards Elaire, thirteen Austin Eckler, twelve Miles Sanders, and eleven J.K. Dobbins. Uh, oh boy, is this this is the group where our consensus is all over the board against each other? Um, yes. it, talk about it, it. Okay, so let's the elephant <laughs> in the room of this group is Cam Akers. He's a guy that's top 12 most sites, most close, honestly, top 10, around eight or nine. Um, very low from consensus, thanks to Christian and Adam in their hatred both have him ranked at 22 uh i'll quickly go into why i believe i have him ranked much much higher 
and why I think he's going to be very, very good this season and for the future, at least of his contract. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to speak past then, but I have him as RB12 in Dynasty. He came on very, very strong at the end of the year, truly took over the backfield. Uh, McVeigh has sp- spoken glowingly about him, believes he's a three-down workhorse. Uh, at the end of the year, if we can take that as some kind of indicator, that would mean he will likely get an average of 20 carries a game with a target or two uh, a game. And that would net around 300 carries or more and over 30 targets. That should put him easily in the RB1, at least the back-end territory. And the other big thing for me is Stafford should improve the point issues that they had last year. There's plenty of games where they were scoring less than 20 points, less than 17, sometimes less than 14. Uh, That was kind of a huge issue for me watching. Obviously, the games weren't out of hand, so they're still running the ball, but we all know how much me and Christian believe in Stafford and we know how good he is. I I do think he is going to shoot up this offense back to where they were kind of around that Super Bowl run and the year before where they were scoring more points. And that's why they were moving the ball more and allowed Gurley to kind of just catapult onto the top of the running back world. Obviously, I think Cam can get that kind of level of opportunity, not the same level of talent, in my opinion, at least at this point to where Gurley was at that point, uh, but doesn't mean he can't be that high. I think that's the biggest difference in this. That's my piece about K-Makers. And I think that's the piece about everyone's love of K-Makers besides you two. Yeah. (laughs) My thing with K-Makers, you you make some very good points. Um, I just don't think that it's going to be as much his backfield as people think. Um, And so I'd I'd love to see a little more production out of him in his rookie year. Obviously, he came on late, um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe he bumps up my rankings next year. Um, yes. F- Facebook user it hurt my feelings too. I, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I tried. I really did. <laughs> uh, so we have, I'll toss the graphic back up. Um, so Ezekiel Elliott is the one that I wanted to talk about because it's my fault that he's down this low as well. Um, Ezekiel Elliott definitely was banged up last year. He had a down year. Everyone knows that. Uh, outside of that, he's perennially, perennially been a top 10, pretty much a top five running back. Um, my thing with Ezekiel Elliott is I think his best days are behind him. I think we're going to look at kind of like the decline. And so having him inside the top 20 is still good. And I think I have him ranked somewhere around here, uh, maybe a little lower. Um, but Tony Pollard has definitely earned some carries. He's earned some touches. And this offense, while the the touchdown opportunity is definitely going to be there again in 2021 and probably beyond as long as Dak is there, uh, I don't know how long Zeke's going to be able to handle that workload because we've seen that older backs, they start to decline at a certain age, and Zeke is fast approaching that age. Uh, And so that's why I value him a little less. You know, looking at this consensus list, would I trade Clyde Edwards Alaire for him straight up? Probably not. I'd probably try to get some more, but that's not what rankings are necessarily for. Um, well, we're greedy bastards too. So don't... <laughs> we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, do you have anything to say about Zeke? Not necessarily. Obviously, I have him slightly higher. It's about this number. Um, 
I think in redraft, he's much, much higher. I do think he's got like a two-year window of kind of like this peak left. Um, but he's he's beat up. He's gained weight every year. Uh, it's it's one of those things where I just don't see. I didn't get to see that explosive Zeke that we we fell in love with at Ohio State. Um, I would like to see that get back to reality, and maybe it does with a f- full year of healthy Dak. I'm just not quite sure yet, and maybe Dak can extend his career, but that contract is going to keep him always on the kind of like the chopping block. Uh, yeah. If he is declining quickly, our love of David Montgomery and Austin Eckler shining through in these rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not scared of Cohen's return at all. Montgomery no. is very, very fucking good. Yes. Um, and the other one, before we get into the top two of these that we have to talk about. Um, Miles Sanders? Well, yeah, my, Miles Sanders and the Clyde versus Najee here. Uh, I wanted to quickly say... Antonio Gibson is lower for us than most places. I know this is contradictory to our friend Matt Frosty. I've been not trying to like go at him or anything, but I'm trying to quarrel his uh, <laughs> expectations for Gibson. Gibson was very, very good last year. Let's not get that wrong. But he had like 39% share of the offense, of the yes. running back offense. And uh, and it, it, quickly, his, most of his production came from touchdown work. Like that exactly. dude was a touchdown machine. You can't depend on that year after no, year. Touchdowns we'll, are not a sticky stat, and he, it, it, there's a good chance those go down, and there's a good chance his workload goes up. I'm not disputing that, but for him to be that top like six, seven, five, even as as Matt wants it to be, he has to have a 60 percent workload. And while I, there's clearly a possibility of that, I just don't see that happening necessarily, especially when you have an influx of a better quarterback now. And even if it is on the last leg uh, and a, a healthy and lethal receiving core with a converted quarterback, that's become a pretty good tight end and a line that's only gotten better. And you didn't lose the competition in the backfield. I'm just saying, I, I don't think there's the overwhelming support. Yeah. shouldn't be there for Gibson necessarily to that extent. I think he has a shot to be the back end uh, RB once uh, territory, but I would rather draft him about this ranking and not, yeah. not get screwed of anything. But uh, the biggest one here, I think we're much higher on Miles Sanders than most. Yeah. Uh, influx we- of competition scared people off. Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell has scared off everyone. Um and Jordan and we, Howard and Carry on Johnson. And, yeah, but Jordan Howard couldn't even get on the field <laughs> from his body. Carry on yeah. Johnson makes sense, but he's always perennially hurt. Kenny Gainwell should scare some people off. I agree. He's very, very good. Could he be the replacement to Sanders? No. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be real. Like, no, Sanders, Sanders is going to have what one less year right now than maybe two necessarily if there's no extension. And Gainwell on contract years right now, yeah. they're not. Gainwell's not the replacement. He's the replacement for Howard, and he's a, he's the spell back for them. He's very very good. Don't get me wrong. Maybe you you have to get right with this scenario that Sanders is never going to be seventy percent workhorse or something like that. But that doesn't it's not mean he matter. Can't, it doesn't mean he can't thrive. He's never been that exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and he's gonna hit so many freaking home runs. That's what he is. Like he's probably not your grinded out, uh, let's run in between the tackles every single play type of player, but he's gonna hit so many home runs with Jalen Hurts being the the uh, rushing threat that he is. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he's good. He's good, guys. Bet on the talent. Um, yes. <laughs> let's move into our six through ten. Uh, so right well, into a new graphic. Uh, well, uh, yeah, Jordan yeah, Howard sorry. did come in to snatch a couple. Quickly, just before we talk about these guys, quick consensus: we have Clyde over Najee. It's mainly because the other guys. I am full <laughs> on the Najee train. I have him as RB eleven. The clear concern: the line is nowhere near as good as it's been for Connor, for Bell, for any of the other Steelers running backs of old that are good. Uh, but. Najee is as good or better than those guys. That's yeah. that's the thing. And Ben can't throw more than 30 yards, so he's going to yeah. be dumping down. But, yes, that just yeah. quickly, and then top 10. Yes. My God. All right. So <laughs> 6 through 10. So 10, we have Joe Mixon, 9, DeAndre Swift, 8, Aaron Jones, 7, Derrick Henry, 6, Jonathan Taylor. Um, The two. main... <laughs> Two guys stick out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the the first one that we should probably talk about, Joe Mixon, right? Yes. Uh, so Joe Mixon, he's 15 to 17 in most spots. Um, there's a lot of recency bias baked into that ranking, right? So Joe Mixon, yeah. he has – if you're looking for a guy that you think could finish as the RB1 or a top five running back in these, like, mid rounds like i would say you can probably get mixing i don't know what his adp is looking like but fourth fifth uh i'm sure it's coming back up now that they didn't add anyone in the draft but joe mixon has that type of talent and while some people say well he's not that type of player he's never been that type of player that's true but he's always been hurt as well and so if you think that he's gonna get hurt I think you're making a bet that you shouldn't make because injuries really like aren't predictive. You can't really predict them. Um, but Joe Mixon, in my opinion, has the opportunity to be uh, a top three back this year. So I probably ranked him a little. I think I have him at nine. Randy, I don't know where you have him. Oh, uh, I have him pretty high. Um, I have him at 10. And okay. Adam has him at 16. So with consensus unfortunately fucking adam um <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so do you want to talk about mixing really quick he's he's just so damn good um his coach his offensive coordinator is already saying that he's not going to be coming out the field because he doesn't need to so there there really is shouldn't be the concern that there is yeah. um and the injury bias is fucking rampant in this one. It's kind of alarming to an extent. Uh, him and um, oh Eckler are going around the same spot most places, and it's just wrong. <laughs> they're they're yeah. both there's. It's just a group of talent going about the same spot that's going to be absolutely lethal. Yeah, in drafts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the point I was going to make. I'd be comfortable with either one. I might pick Eckler in full PPR just because of the receiving work. But, yeah, those are two guys that I will be targeting everywhere unless you guys correct it and listen to us uh, and fix their ADPs. The other guy in this group that we need to talk about, 
uh, I mean, so DeAndre Swift is normally around here. Aaron Jones normally around here. Same thing with Derrick Henry. Jonathan Taylor, uh, shockingly to me, uh, is normally higher than this. People have him. Some people have him as their RB1. Others have him top three. Others top five. Listen, Jonathan Taylor in his first 10 weeks as a, as a rookie was not that good. He, he just was not a very good running back. There, there were real causes for concern, uh, whether it was his vision or just his failure to really make a, an impact in the receiving game because they have Naheem Hines still. And guess who they also have coming back? Marlon Mack, and I know not a ton of people are putting stock into that, but Marlon Mack was a better, he was an above average running back for them, and he was the starter until he tore his Achilles. So expecting him to not get on the field at all, I think is is foolish. Randy, how do you see that playing out? Did that impact your ranking of JT? Yeah, it impacted greatly. I, You go around and you can see that Taylor's at, Anywhere from two to four, pretty much, is locked in where he's at everywhere. Don't get me wrong. Like, like we have him at six consensus. I have him at six. I'm higher than both of you. You have him at seven. But it, there's just this level of just giving him so much leeway because of that back end of the year and how he really shined in the back end. There's plenty of guys that did. He's the only one that's getting the love for it. And I find it kind of wrong. Um, he also did it against really, really bad defenses. Yeah, I mean, people yeah, will the, say like, "Oh, well, he he would have done it against good defenses." Well, we don't know that. I mean, well, he, he took did, advantage. He didn't. He didn't. He, exactly. The, exactly. The best defense he faced was the Steelers, beaten up. I mean, it's not even close, in my opinion. Um, and, we're, and listen, we have him at six. Like, yes, we're lower than consensus. We have him at fucking six. Yes, he's a young stud. He proved everything. He proved possibly to be a better receiver than we gave him credit for. Not Absolutely. really, though. He kind of did the Derrick Henry dump off bullshit, uh, really where did. it's not really a receiving back still. Naeem Hines is clearly going to be in third downs. Jonathan Taylor does not deserve to be on the field for those downs, uh, unless it's short. Marlon Mag will get touches. They are going to use three backs. And for that reason, he has to be lower. Yes, he's going to be the, t- the goal line back. He's going to get all those touches. I have good expectations for him. But guess what? He was the goal line back last year, and Naeem Hines still stole like four or five goal line touchdowns. Here's the thing. They they used to put Naeem – they did just last year. They put Naeem Hines in on like fourth and inches and fourth and one. Yeah. So they had more trust in him finding a gap that the offensive line created. And we also haven't really talked about how they didn't really upgrade uh, – they actually downgraded a lot at left tackles. So any anything going yeah. left, like, he, I mean, it's it's questionable. So tempered expectations. He's still very good, like you said. But, yeah. Man. I don't um, it's yeah. Uh, it, he is going to be a league winner if he's fifteen to seventeen in dynasty startups. If he's fifteen to seventeen in redraft too, he's he's going to be Mixon. Yes, he is going to absolutely win you leagues. There's no question. Yeah. He's yeah. going to be an RB one, and there's been a lot of uh, traction lately of the bold take community saying he will be the RB one. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. It, and it, it depends on how good that offensive line actually is. It's not that improved to me, but we'll see. 
All right, let's get into our top five. So it, uh, you could have deduced that this is the, the five that we would have had or we were crazy, but Nick Chubb at five, Saquon Barkley at four, at three, Alvin Kamara at two, Dalvin Cook, and at one, Christian McCaffrey. The main thing to talk about here is the Nick Chubb ranking. Um, and so the first thing I want to say is he was RB8 in points per game last year. But that also was RB8 in points per game while missing four games and losing out on that touchdown upside. So if he plays a, a full 16 uh, and he missed Seven, games again. 17. 17. Yeah, yeah, full 17 now. Um, if he plays a full season, you're looking at a higher points per game as well. And I know that sounds kind of weird. Like the whole the reason you do points per game is to negate when players miss games, but it's true. Like he missed out on games where he would have beat up on the defenses. And we saw it with Kareem hunt doing the same thing. Um, yeah. Shout out to the Facebook user. Can't wait to see Chubb. People need to see that guy as a top five dynasty uh, running back more often in more words than uh, there, but yes. So Nick Chubb, in my opinion, he finished with the RB 11 last year with only 12 games guys. So. Nick Chubb, the, the sky is the limit for this guy. And honestly, I think Kareem Hunt's going to be used even less. Kareem Hunt led that team in carries last year. People don't understand that. Somehow, somehow Nick Chubb exactly. is still the RB11. It's insane. The dude is so talented. Yeah. The the dude's an absolute monster. He's going to be a Brown for his whole career. Uh, he, is, he is never a problem, beloved by the fans, beloved by the organization, beloved by the coaching staff. Uh, this is a run-first team by far. Both him and Hunt are going to be absolutely lethal, and Chubb's going to be an easy RB1, if not top five, if not a shot at RB1. He's had a shot to be the, the yards leader twice. Uh, I think he gets it this year, even with Kareem Hunt. Yeah, yeah, easily in my opinion. Uh, because he would have just annihilated it last year. Um, yep. And that's with a 2,000-yard running back in Derrick Henry. That's absurd. Yeah. Uh, the other guys, I mean, pretty pretty standard. I guess we were probably a little higher on Kamara. He's probably like four or five for most people. Uh, I The report came out that they're going to lean on their running backs. Of course they are. They did last year, even with Brees. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, Kamara's going to get a ton of work. He's not going to hurt because uh, – Breeze is gone uh, because if somehow Taysom Hill wins that job, that's all he can do. He can't do anything but dump down. So uh, if Jameis uh, wins it, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, CMC keeping his top spot with Darnold coming in. Honestly, this offense is either going to be at the same level or better. I think that's without question better. Uh, I think I, I'm just saying, like, I think worst case, it's the same level. And in that case, McCaffrey should be really, really good because Mike Davis was good in that offense with his absence. Uh, Dalvin Cook shooting up to two, deservedly so. The dude, even without playing every game every year, has just earned the spot at this point. And we're lower on Barkley, and I think that's deservedly lower. Um, there, we got to see it, right? We had an argument last year that you said that Saquon was not going to be a top five dynasty running back going into the season. Uh, I said you were wrong and you were crazy. Uh, and then we get to it, and I'm the lowest on him <laughs> of the group. Uh, 
listen, man, he is an absolute stud. He is built like a Greek god, uh, and he had an incredible rookie year. But so did Evan Ingram, and Evan Ingram is <laughs> not a top five dynasty mm-hmm. tight end. Yeah, Barkley is one injury away from being damaged goods that no one wants to touch. Yeah, and on the last year of his contract too, he's in his. I, uh, well, see, he's he's going into. The, I think they picked up his fifth year, so they, he has one a, more year after this. Either way, there's a good chance he's not a giant, which means we have to question more and more. The injury history is very, very huge. We're at a pivotal point with Barkley. He needs to be healthy for at least twelve games this year, if That's not a thing. full season. Like, but like at least twelve games. Like, if he plays twelve out of seventeen. That's reasonable. Like you can get a, a a rolled ankle or a shoulder stinger, and you have to be out a week. That just happens. I get yes. it. I don't want to. I don't want any minor injury to act like Saquon's a dead body. It's just if he gets another major injury, and that's three straight years of him crippling your team. Yeah, it's it's a detriment to not only your fantasy team, so you have to bake that into his startup value and dynasty value. It's yeah. it's an injury. It's it's just crippling to him. He yeah. he might not be ever viewed as that guy again. I know we we give certain running backs the chance all the time, but he is dangerously close to being Evan Ingram. Yeah, to being I, that one year rookie sensation wonder and. Never amounting to that again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's scary too. I mean, and, and we might sound contradictory, right? Because we just said, well, Mixon, he's had injury history, and we're kind of ignoring that. But Mixon's injury, the dude didn't get scratched until day of the game every week, and then he pretty much we found out that he was out like towards the end of the year. It was like on Thursday and Friday, but he wasn't declared out for the year until what two weeks before the season ended. And so, and so that's a little different than an ACL injury and high ankle sprains and twisted knees. And like Saquon is building up quite the, uh, the injury history where you start to question it. And let's not, not leave out the fact that when he did play last year, it's not like he was the RB one. He was struggling. Now, was there tough matchups in there? Yes, he faced the Steelers, I believe, week one, who at that point were just the lethal headhunters that they were. I I get that he had a tough beginning to the season, but he still didn't do much when he was there. And when you're this level of running back, you almost assume that you're going to at least do something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's enough of the, the running back talk. So... Uh, you know, talking about McCaffrey a little bit more, like we said, he should be good. And I know a lot of people are hesitant to put him as the RB one because of his size. He got injured one year. He's going to be back. He's going to be fine. I don't really have a ton of concern. What, when he played his points per game shit on everyone else. And so remember that. Yeah. And all signs like he would have played. There's a lot of, things saying that he probably could have came back last year if they would have been a better team yeah yeah if they didn't have teddy bridgewater uh all right (laughs) let's move into our uh burning question segment uh so this is gonna be where we talk through some of the the most pressing questions 
uh, of each division. And we're starting with the NFC North, and we're going to start with the Chicago Bears because Justin Fields, of course. Why wouldn't we? <laughs> uh, so the three questions we have here, I'll just read it, read through them, and then we'll go back and touch on them. Justin Fields starts by week what? What does Tariq Cohen's role look like? Is the defense still elite? And we might have a bonus question in here for you later. Randy, first question, Justin Fields starts by week what? Um, so I'm actually going to do the same thing I did with Herbert last year, uh, which you gave me flack for, which is going to bite you in the ass here. Um, I say guarantee Justin Fields starts by week seven, meaning that they may give six weeks uh, for Dalton to prove that he should be the starter uh, because he's the veteran and maybe they want to just slowly bring along fields. Uh, obviously that didn't end up happening with Herbert thanks to medical staff. Um, but <laughs> I don't expect that to happen in Chicago, even though it is kind of an organization that's had its ineptitude at times. So it could happen. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I saw the report today that Justin Fields will have every opportunity to win the job in camp. That is a new report. Jeremy Fowler, the Steelers beat reported that. Uh, I don't know how he knows since he's covering the Steelers, but I'm going to run with it. And I'm going to say by week one, I say Justin Fields does not make it out of camp without being declared the starter. I would say after like week two of the preseason, we know that Justin Fields is starting week one against the freaking Los Angeles Rams. Terrifying, terrifying. As someone who is a Justin Fields truther, you guys know how I feel about him. Um, but I think if he's the real deal, it doesn't matter, right? He's going to go out there and he's going to play like anyone else would play against the Rams, though not many people play super well against the Rams. Uh, oh, so oh, Randy, we clicked on the same as <laughs> time. Uh, it depends on if the doctor decides to stab Ex- Dalton. Exactly. Too. Exactly. Uh, uh, I was also really quickly, I was talking to Dave Kluge, or I saw Dave Kluge talking. Maybe. I don't know if I joined. Uh, but week four, I believe they have a cake matchup against the Lions. And so if not week one, week four is kind of what people are thinking. Well, and and by me saying by week seven, that doesn't mean they can't start week one as well. When that pointed out, I'm just saying, I think if they do give the shot to Dalton, generally that shot would be anywhere from four to six weeks. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, we talked a little bit off air about this question, uh, but Tariq Cohen is returning from ACL, MCL, some type of CL, uh, and uh, maybe PCL. Uh, so we don't have concern that it's going to impact David Montgomery, but I want to know what you think Tariq Cohen's role looks like in 2021. Um. It's not going to be like it was. I think that's the clear. When he was basically the lead back for Chicago, obviously it was Jordan Howard. He was the one-two down, but they were dumping down to Cohen a lot. Mm-hmm. Montgomery is a, a passing-capable back, so yeah. I, I think he's going to get a 70% workload plot. Like he, he is going to be the by far lead bell cow back, and Cohen's going to be worked in here and there. There's probably going to be some split backfield sets. Uh, Cohen obviously always works out in the slot role during the offseason. He plays there a good amount. I know they have uh, Anthony Miller there as well, but there's question marks there if he'll even be on the team. If he's not traded, he's not going to be on the team pass this year most likely. Uh, So 
getting Cohen involved however they can makes sense. But Montgomery is going to be the, the lead guy without question, without no 50-50 split. No, it's it's full yeah. on Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah, I think if anything, like a 75-25 split. And even then, I feel like it's not that's a little too much for Cohen. What I think is gonna happen with Tariq Cohen is I think Anthony Miller's gone. I think they find a trade partner for him. They've been uh, dangling him out in trade offers for a few months now. And so I think Anthony Miller's gone. I don't think Daz Newsom is going to be immediately ready to step in. He's a sixth or seventh round pick. And so I think they start the year with Tariq Cohen as their starting slot receiver. And Tariq Cohen was a college receiver. So he's very, very capable. He's just very small. It's like, Rondale Moore, but not as good. Yeah. Well, it's yet another team that could go more 12 personnel as well, having two clear lead receivers and a lead power back. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things, especially they did improve the offensive line and then degraded it at the same time. So yeah. uh, maybe they're going to need to have the two tight end sets. Uh, and maybe that can lead to the, the bonus of maybe Komet breaking out, uh, Mooney being more consistent, especially if Fields is in there, because uh, it was either it seemed like he was open a lot, opposite Al Robinson, and Trubisky couldn't see him, and Foles couldn't hit anywhere near him. So we know F- Fields will be able to do both and prosper, especially with two really good receivers and a good tight end who we saw him throw to multiple tight ends at Ohio State. I think if Fields is the guy, I think everyone flourishes on this offense. Yeah. Uh, But let's switch over to defense just really quickly. We'll touch on this pretty much like a one-sentence answer here. Is the defense in Chicago still elite, despite being one of the older defenses in the league? Well, what do you think, Christian? I don't think they are. Uh, And that's why... I, I think the, the Bears have a good shot to make the playoffs because I think the rest of the division has their fair share of question marks, and we'll talk about them here soon. But I don't think that outside of Khalil Mack, um, that they have a ton of – they. I mean, their secondary is not very good. Uh, they have a decent front seven. But outside of that, like what, what do they do well? Their linebackers aren't great. Um, Ooh, I don't know about they that. Have, they have Danny Trevathan, right? Um, and? Rokon Smith. Yes, there you I know. go. Thank you. Don't but, leave out. Don't bury the fucking lead on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they, have, they, they have a couple of linebackers. I don't think they're elite anymore, and I think that it's the secondary is the biggest thing. Obviously, they they're going at it with Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, who's still solid. Tayshawn Gibson definitely on the back end of the career. Desmond Trufant, probably same thing. Their their linebacking core. Roquan's great, and Trevathan. Eh, kind of on the last leg as well. Their pass rush will be good, obviously, with Robert Quinn, Leo Mack, Mario Edwards Jr., uh, and Akeem Nix is still very, very serviceable as a D tackle. So the front may help the back end. Um, I, so. I think they'll still stay a good run defense. And on third and long, I wouldn't like love to face them for sure, especially with Khalil Mack. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think it's the fear defense of of old obviously i don't think they're necessarily elite i think they're good still yeah yeah i think they're a good defense as well 
All right, let's move on to the Packers. Uh, so the three questions here. Is Aaron Rodgers the week one starter? How is the backfield split up pretty much? Is it the same but different? And then who is the wide receiver two for 2021? First question, do you think Aaron Rodgers is the week one starter? Yes. I think they work it out. I think they get rid of the GM and try and bring him back. Maybe they can uh, figure out a way to solidify his his happiness with a trade, uh, bringing in like a wide receiver or something. Maybe they can get Julio and uh, I guarantee you Rodgers pops right back up. Um, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, it's they're not trading Rodgers. It's either he is the quarterback or he's not playing. Yep. So I'm going to go off the fact that he's going to play. He's he's at an age where if he sits out a year, he's probably going to be like really near retirement instead of just coming back. Uh, so he that's a huge decision for him. Uh, quickly, if he's not the starter, how does that affect the rest of this offense or fantasy for you? Uh, Devontae Adams is fine. Aaron Jones okay. is fine. Uh, Tunyon probably takes a hit. And then I guess we can just jump straight down to the third question here. I don't know who the wide receiver two is for this team. If I had to lean on anyone, I think it's Lazard still, but I don't think it matters. I think it's Tunyon. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. yeah I think absolutely. it's Tunyon and then Wallace for me, only because he's a different aspect. Of receiver, um, yeah, actual slot receiver. I think he could kind of thrive there. Um, and I think, I think it affects if Love's a starter because that's what we're talking about. I think you take a huge downgrade to the passing game, and that's yeah. not a disrespect to Love. That's a respect to Aaron Rodgers and the develop. Like we'd have to see a lot of development from Love early to be even close to that kind of efficiency especially touchdown wise for Devontae adams uh aaron jones will probably get an uptick in touches but doesn't really mean much if they can't move the ball uh, but that to, i i aj dylan might get more work if jordan loves the starter uh possibly uh i guess do you want to just go to this backfield split quick then yeah. um for me this has always been a 50 50 split i think aaron jones gets 47 to 53 percent somewhere in that weird range i think dylan gets 30 percent, and i think kylan hill gets 20 whatever's left over i think it's going to be a three down three back system and that's going to piss a lot of people off yes but i also think that um I think it's going to piss off AJ Dillon uh, fantasy managers a little yeah, bit more because I exactly. think they're going to start him expecting 50%. And I'm kind of with well, you. Kylan Hill was yeah. one hell of a fucking value pick, dude. Exactly. It, it's going to, there's going to be a group that thinks that because Williams is gone, Aaron Jones is going to get 60, 70%, where he's not. He's just fucking not. But he's been lethal with 40 to 50 or 40 to 55. So yeah. it doesn't mean he's not going to be good. And then people think AJ Dillon is just going to get this whole uptick. AJ Dillon's not fantastic pass catching back. Williams was better than him by far. Kylan Hill is better than him, probably that aspect already. I'd say. Yeah. It really just depends how quickly Hill catches on with them. But I do think he works in at least ten percent without any kind of help, like without any kind of development. I think it gets ten percent of this workload which means A.J. Dillon is already not a tremendous value unless he gets a bunch of red zone work, which, sure, maybe he 
does in like the ultra short, but like Aaron Jones has been very, very efficient. He's one of the best. So like, it doesn't make sense to kick him off the field. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what Aaron Jones does best. I don't know how he does it. He's not the biggest dude, but. Doesn't uh, matter. Kamara does it too. He's nowhere near the biggest. It's very true. All right. uh, That'll do it for the Packers. Let's move on to the Lions. The three questions here, and I better get that ticker off of there. Uh, Okay. Who leads the team in targets in 2021? What are the expectations for Jared Goff? And then who will they select first overall in the 2022 NFL draft? Um, Let's touch on the first question. Who do you think is going to lead the team in targets? Now, I think this is a two-person race, and I don't think either one of them is a receiver. Okay, well, that's for me, that's not true. Um, I think Hawkinson's clearly like the first best player, yeah, receiving wise. Uh, but obviously, teams are going to know that. So, while I do think he's going to be a clear tight end one, uh, I think teams will kind of key it on him, especially early while golf tries to get uh, Quinn in this offense. Rashad Perriman has a tremendous chance to truly break out. Every time he's been asked to be the guy when no one else was around, he's actually kind of flourished. Um, so he, he I, it does give me pause to like, I have him on our OG dynasty. I, I'm not going to trade him for anything less than at least a second. Cause I do think he's going to have immediate value. Uh, but for me, the hope and the belief with golf skill set, who he targets the most, it's Alan Ross St. Brown for me. It's a yeah. guy that plays well in the slot. That's the only place golf can throw. Uh, it, <laughs> I think if they, if he's given that chance right off the bat, he is going to be the guy that me and you know he is. Yeah. I I mean, I think a lot of people are hoping that, right? And I think that's probably the case. And we've talked about it. Jared Goff's going to have to throw 40 to 50 times minimum per game yeah. if the Lions expect to win, I think. Uh, they're not going to be able to be a grinded-out team with DeAndre Swift and uh, Jamal Williams. They're not going to be able to do that. What they are going to have to do is catch up, and so Amon Ra could be up there, uh, but I think Swift ultimately is like the second leader for me. I uh, just I just can't see it. I mean, it. I don't know. It's just like it's not like golf has been an overly dumped down to running back not. guy. So it just doesn't seem like I just but, don't see I don't see an, an ultra increase from what he had with Stafford last year. But that doesn't necessarily present a problem. Yeah. So I guess my argument to this would be DeAndre Swift isn't like your typical, you know, like we just talked about. Uh, who the fuck did we talk about? Jonathan Taylor, who he just catches dump downs. Uh, DeAndre Swift can run routes too. And so that's where I think you might see him used yeah. in the slot a little bit too. And so kind of stuff like that. I don't want to talk about the Lions this much though. Uh, so expectations for golf, <laughs> uh, uh, 4,000 yards, uh, I think. Some, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not his like for sure QB one year with the Rams, like when they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe not. I don't even know what he finished last year. Do you remember off the top of your head? Like 16 through 20, somewhere around there. Sounds right. I mean, I think that's, I, I think you should be expecting the same stuff. Hopefully, a more consistent output from him, like yards wise, 
because there yeah. was a lot of games last year where they just didn't score points, but they still, but they were close because of the defense. They ran it like forty fucking times. They're not going to be able to do that with the Lions. Uh, so I think he's throwing forty times, like we talked about, which means I would give him a couple QB one weeks, most likely going to be around like fourteen through seventeen by the end of the year. I think he could rival for a QB one slot and just. Like you said, 14 is probably the sweet spot for me, but I do think that it's within the realm of possibility that he's a top 10 quarterback this year. Um, all right. Who do you think they're taking first overall? I have no year? fucking idea. Uh, <laughs> right now, like we, we discussed this because we're obviously uh, like involved in C2C drafts and all that. We're already looking at the next season of quarterbacks coming into the next draft class. Right now, we don't have any necessarily quarterbacks taking that one spot. And if we're if we're talking like the Lions will be the first overall, it's looking more like a defensive player, which definitely with this kind of build of this team makes sense. But like, if I remember right, it's what Thibodeau is right yeah. now viewed as like oh top five number one type of asset. They don't need him. They don't like like technically they. Do. I mean, obviously they he could be the future. They could get rid of one guy, whatever. But it's not necessarily what they need. So I have no fucking idea. And if it's a quarterback right now, I guess I'd give the nod to Howell. That's what I would do too. Uh, Howell's my current QB one. I think if they're picking first overall, that means golf sucked, and so then you consider Probably. it. But I, you know, that contract's still pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's stop talking about the Lions. That was just way too long. Well, I only wanted to quickly say RB workload expectations. Don't expect Swift to get like a 70% workload like we were talking about before. Right. There, there's a lot of backs here. <laughs> there are. Yeah. And they were maybe Lynn's been talking about. Maybe expect, how... expect like an Air Jones type workload. That's what I was kind of getting with. Which is still good. Which yes, for sure. For yeah. sure. All right, let's talk about the Vikings. They're more fun to talk about. Three questions. Who leads the team in targets? Is this Kirk Cousins' final year as their starting quarterback? And then are the Vikings going to be good? Just a very simple, blatant, general question. Are they going to be good? Um, all right, first question. Who leads the team in targets? Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson? Those are your only two options. Sorry. Fair enough, Thielen. And I think it's Jefferson. I think Jefferson takes over as, I mean, he might have last year because I think Thielen missed a couple games, but I, yeah, I, it's just I know, Thielen is like the, the red zone guy. He is cousins go to. That's who he looks to every single play. It's just, I'm going to stick with Thielen. That doesn't mean Jefferson can't be higher than him. That doesn't mean Jefferson can't catch more passes than him. I'm not trying to, yeah, I think it's going to be ultra, ultra fucking close between the two. I'll give a slight nod to Thielen. Uh, maybe he gets more touchdowns. Honestly, there's a chance that Thielen finishes higher than Jefferson. There's, Only, it's there. There's a chance. With a full season, obviously, any entry is going to hurt that. Justin Jefferson's clearly a top 10 dynasty wide receiver, and Thielen's a top 30. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's the age. Yes, yeah, the age problem. I think we're on this like last year, maybe two of like Thielen 
I think we're in the last year of Thielen being like the one A of the one one A one B situation, and honestly, partially through this year could just completely shift the Jefferson. I'm just gonna stick with an early workload helping out Thielen. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and I think it's Jefferson. I think he already took that leap. I think he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. So, but that's not like taken away from Thielen either. I think that might be the best receiving duo. It's, in the league it's definitely up there it was up there last year uh it, it was it was way back but it's up there with already with julio and ridley which i still think would be the best if they yeah. stick together just pure talent wise but yeah okay. uh do you think Kirk cousins is toast after this year yes and i think this leads to the next question as well i i think they're an average team again yeah uh, i think they have a shot to make the playoffs I don't think their defense is much improved at all. Uh, their offensive line got better. Let's, that's definitely a, a fair thing to say. So Dalvin Cook's going to continue to kill it and lead this team. Uh, and I think it's going to be a wasted year of his career and Thielen's career and Justin Jefferson's career. Yeah, I, I, I think they'll be a little better than that. I think that. Well, I, I think they're going to be a little bit better than last year, but they were what 14th pick um yeah so sure they're i think they're going to be a playoff contending team i'm not trying to like rip them but if we're talking about nfc championship which is they're going to be good again i just don't see it happening that's fair that's fair i i do think like and you're paying kirk you're paying kirk for that that's true yeah i i think I think they sneak into a wild card spot. That's what I think. Yeah, but uh, sneak into a wild card spot, get smoked by the, the, the fucking 49ers. 49ers, the you know, like Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh I also think this will probably be the last year we see Kirk Cousins. Um I think they're gonna have to do some maneuvering though, because I don't think it's gonna be Kellen Mond taking over that that quarterback room. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, uh, and then lastly, Herb Smith. You wanted to talk about him, right? Yeah, where, uh, like, do you think he is going to be productive enough? Thanks to the, the Kyle Rudolph leaving, they did draft a couple guys uh, to be there. Do you think there's enough targets going around that he is going to be a clear tight end one? Yes. Um. Because I don't think that I think Zach Davidson is going to step in and he's going to have a Kyle Rudolph like role, but it's not going to be as pronounced. He's going to take some time to work in. He's going to be on the field, I think, in 12 personnel, but he's not a very good blocker either. So he may struggle to get anything outside of big slot work to start. And they don't need a big slot because they have two receivers that are very, very good at playing slot. And so is Irv. and so, well, then uh, you, they then could do at... that. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say they could do that that more recent approach of having uh, him lined up outside with one of Jefferson and Theo lined up on the other side, and the other one in the slot with Irv still on the line. That's been a that's happened pretty much everywhere since probably the Patriots did it with Gronk. And yeah, well, Gronk first, and now it's Kelsey. Uh, we see it with the Seahawks even. The Raiders do what a dick done. Like it's one of those it's things. That, 
the Falcons are going to do it. Um, so, yeah, yes. yeah. But I think Irv Smith's a top 10 tight end. Yes. Sick. All right, cool. Cool. All right, that will do it for our burning questions for the NFC North and our Dynasty running back rankings. Uh, if you guys enjoyed the show, make sure you hit it up on your favorite podcast app. Uh, just subscribe to the podcast on there, too, even if you watch us live. Uh, we we love the subscribers, and we would love any five-star reviews that you are willing to dish out, even if you don't think we're a five-star podcast. You know, sometimes we're not. Maybe we're like a two- to three-star, but if you toss us a five, <laughs> it's okay. You know, you can tell us that we suck after the fact. Um, again, make sure you guys go to the ffb.com because we have a ton of content that's going to be out here. We might have some big news here in the next couple of weeks, but uh, you know me, I, I love to jump the gun. So I'm going to make sure that those plans are, uh, are in order before we, yes, we release any of that. Especially with that. By that's, God. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one. Um, thank you. Facebook user. I'll find uh, out who you are when we get off of here. Cause I can see who you are later. Um, <laughs> I'll give you four and a half stars because of acres. That's it's fair. It's that and I fair. again want to point out it is the other two stupid fucking fault, not mine. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, blame me. Blame me. Um, all right. Yeah, follow us at the Cut FFB. All that stuff. Follow me at C Williams NFL. Follow Randy at R Hall NFL. Randy, do you have anything to add before we bounce? No. Let's let's get out of here and get prepared for next Monday. Yes. What are we talking about next Monday? We are talking about Dynasty uh, wide receivers. And the AFC North. And the AFC North. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. Oh, I'm, sure we're gonna, I'm sure we're going to get into... It probably won't be too argumentative. I think it'll be pretty much a good conversation. But, all right. Well, we will talk to you guys then. Again, we're always live at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday nights. Uh, so we will see you again next week for Randy Hall. I am Christian Williams. We will talk to you guys then. Later.